Hello, a little public service announcement. Um, if you can, please go to mauifoodbank.org and donate for the wildfire that happened in Maui. All right, now here's the show. Thanks. All right. Thanks again, John Bertan, for the intro. Uh, we can't hear it, but we know it's a, a good beat. Appreciate that. And uh, we have a really good one. I say that every time. I think it starts... Oh, sorry. August 16th. Today is August 16th. It's about 8.30 p.m. Uh, I am on the West Coast. And we're talking about the Tamalpa Headlands 50K. Uh, this is a race. Uh, starts on the 19th. That's Saturday, uh, 7.30 p.m., 2023. We got Jeffrey Stern, race director. Uh, there's a partnership with Ultra Running Magazine and Tamalpa Runners uh, this year. This The race has not been held since 2019. Uh, it was going to be in 2020, but they um, they could not do it because of COVID. And, but we're doing it this year. Uh, the race website is headlands50k.com. It's $190 plus $12.40 on run signup. Uh, it's already full. Uh, there's 321 entrants this year. Starts and finishes at Santos Meadow, just north of the of San Francisco uh, in, um, I see the Marin Headlands, because it's the Headlands 50K. I think they get a t-shirt. Not sure. Um, we have $3,500 from RNNR, that's Runner, um, who's sponsoring the prize money. Uh, that's split evenly between the men and women who are super fast. And there's a time limit of 10 hours. Elevation gain, 6,309, which is pretty, it's a lot of elevation for 50K. Uh, we have Andy Wacker, 3.37 and 20 seconds in 2015 is the best time. And Megan Roche in four hours, 20 minutes, 51 in 2016. So tonight we have Carolyn, I hope I said it right, Carolyn Garrett, who is in Montana. Is that right, Carolyn? Yes. Yeah, I'm in Montana. And you're going to be doing the race. And uh, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about... Uh, your uh, your prep and everything for the race. So, welcome. Thank you for for taking the time. Oh, of course. Thank you, Andy. Appreciate it. So, uh, I guess I'll start with like a question. Like, uh, how many 50ks, or have you done the Headlands 50k before? Um, not the 50k. Um, I believe they offer a shorter distance. So in the past, I've done a shorter distance. And I, uh, when I was in um, California, uh, most of my running was done in the headlands because it's one of my favorite places to run. So I would always run in the headlands and train there. So um, a lot of a lot of my training across across the board's been in the headlands, so I know it well. But in terms of 50K, um, I I did a, my first 50-mile race in um, 
two months ago. Um, and that went pretty well. And I, and I, so I got intrigued. I, I'm really intrigued with the distances. And so this is, uh, this so your very good. first 50 miler. Cause, cause yeah. so, so everyone listening, Carolyn Garrett is being, well, she, she has been the president of Tamalpa runners, which has hundreds of members and I'm on the board for Tamalpa, but I have done very little on the board. But Carolyn's <laughs> been leading the Tamalpa Runners uh, uh, group or club for, what, two years? A year, Carolyn? I, I don't remember. Uh, I, I actually stepped in as president in September of 2022. Uh, I was vice president for four years prior to that. And prior to that, I was on the board um, and a longtime member of of the club before that. So, so I've that, only, that's probably um, why I thought you were president longer. Cause you were, you were number yeah. two for quite some time. And then, uh, yeah. David, who's been doing it, David Leipzig was the president. And so you stepped in and yeah. now you're, mm-hmm. you just recently moved out to Montana. So you were, you were here in Marin, uh, and that is part of the, the transition there. Exactly. Yeah, I've, I was uh, I've been in Marin my whole life. I was born and raised there, so I'm fourth generation native. Uh, but uh, decided. So I uh, yeah, I love yeah. the headlands. It's so. Before this call, we were talking, and and if it, and, mm-hmm. um, could you tell us a little bit about like your history in the head, Marin headland area? Sure. Uh, Born, born and raised uh, in Fairfax, California, uh, and uh, grew up there and and had a, a nice life. And then got married, and I had three beautiful daughters. And um, um, my family history goes back quite quite a ways uh, in in Marin. Uh, my my father and my uncle and my grandfather um, had uh, dairy ranches. Uh, Three separate dairy ranches, actually, in Marin County, um, and and the the last of which was in Tennessee Valley, uh, where the horse stables are. Um, and this was in 1940. They took they were there. They began there in 1941, and they were there during the war effort, the Second World War. Um, and at the time, uh, they I think they had 500 head of cattle roaming around down there before uh, the pathway was actually, you know, uh, cemented over and, and made a nice pathway for folks to go down to the beach. But but during that time uh, of the Second World War, uh, there were army troops stationed down at the beach. And um, my father was in boot camp uh, and he was about to be shipped out to Germany to go fight fight in the war. Uh, and the troops that were stationed down at the beach, uh, my grandfather was instructed to feed the troops there from the ranch. Uh, they had, you know, they had beef and they had fresh milk and they had vegetables. And and my grandfather, being, you know, really, really smart about it, said, you know, if you expect me to run my dairy ranch and have to feed the troops down there, I, I need my other son back because it was only my grandfather my uncle and my dad running the whole business. And so they agreed to that. And so my father was able to come back to the ranch and help feed the troops 
uh, at the beach down there uh, at the end of Tennessee Valley uh, during the Second World War. Well, that so well that war this was is happening. this is amazing because or the race is literally through your family's backyard. Like, yes, I like I, right I through Tennessee real- Valley. Yeah, I know. Every time I run through there, I think I think what did this look like back in the day? where there was just cattle roaming and uh, and horses. Yeah, I, I, I think about that a lot. So if you're listening and you have a computer, you can you can uh, search Google or excuse me, Mirror Beach on Google Maps because uh, that's pretty easy to find. That's just north of the Golden Gate. Mirror Beach is close to the Santos Meadow and Santos Meadow is the start and finish. So Mirror Beach is a good... Um, start and I'm I'm looking at a map right now. Uh, uh, Carolyn can't see it, but it's it starts just north of Muir Beach, and then and then it goes south along almost along the coast, keeps going south, and then it it um, turns left as we're getting closer to Golden Gate, and then it comes back through. Uh, so it, cross, it crosses over the Tennessee Valley area, and then and then it uh, heads. But uh, yeah, I'm looking at actually the Tennessee Valley. Um, what's that? Tennessee Valley Trail. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly where you're talking about the the farm. Exactly. And yeah, and, yeah wow. in fact, right right there, there's usually an aid station. You know, right there by the where the parking lot is and there's this little grass area with picnic tables and everything. And they have, uh, they usually have a, a lot of races have a, uh, a, a aid station set up right there. So it's really this nice junction. And, and I've done a lot of races out there where I come into that aid station and I think, wow, yeah, it feels good to, to think about it. So it's a nice, it's a nice thought. Yeah. So, so then it goes, so it goes South uh, let's see, we go past Tennessee Valley. Uh, is it the Coastal Trail? What do we call that trail? Yeah, Coastal Trail. And then it's kind of loop. Uh, then Miwok Trail uh, down near Rodeo Lagoon, which I yeah. haven't been down there in ages, but I know the area. Um, mm-hmm. And then we're going north. We're a little bit inland. Um, yeah, Miwok Trail north. And uh, yeah, I'm just just following. I'm trying to get up because I ran all these trails. I'm just trying because mm-hmm. I not, but I've never done the Headlands 50k. And I'm trying to uh, get a feel for the the trail elevation because this has a lot. I'm looking at the elevation profile. <laughs> it's like it's brutal. Um, it starts out pretty steep. I mean, there's just tr- really uh, steep hills I, the whole yeah. way. I think we start out um, and we go, yeah, we go up right away. I think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Right yeah, out I'm, of, I'm, yeah, down the trail to Mere Beach. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I've been looking at the map going, okay, when we start, let's remember. <laughs> but you're at 20, I'd say at the marathon point. It's all downhill. <laughs> I know. According- that's the thing. Yeah, that that's that's going to be a good good section. 
And there's, wow, it says 47% grade. That's ridiculous. Um, yeah, that's that's really <laughs> steep. So, so Carolyn, what, what kind of, um, uh, I guess, what, what, is, what should I ask? Like, what have you, so did you say you had done this before? Uh, not this distance, but I'm extremely okay. familiar with the terrain and what yeah. what the different look like. So, I if you say coastal shell, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. And if you say fox, I'm like, oh, okay, I, mm-hmm, yeah, I know what that is. So I know all the different parts and pieces, but I haven't actually done uh, 30 miles in one fell swoop out there. I've done a lot of sections on my own in training, just in training. For me, it's all temperature based, like. If it was 45, 50 degrees, it would, it would be a great day for me. Uh, but yeah. if it's hot, I'll just, I just kind of crumble in the heat. I, I don't know how you deal <laughs> with heat or if you train in heat or, but that's the, that's like my kryptonite is the, is running in, in a lot of heat. It, you know, and it tends to be for me as well. And, and I've learned something over this past year, um, I had a, uh, I did the quad dipsy and I had a particular, particularly difficult time with it because I got dehydrated. And, um, so over the course of the last year, I, I started adjusting my salt intake, uh, during runs, especially long training runs. And what I, what I found was during this last 50 mile race that I did, I, I could tell my hands, my hands are my, my cue. My hands will start to tingle. And then I know that I'm getting dehydrated. And I've learned something about dehydration, which is you can drink as much water as you want, but if you don't have enough salt in your system to hold that water in, you're just kind of processing the water through your body and it's not holding into your tissues and it's not doing you any any good. So I started taking salt during, especially during the 50 mile run, I started taking salt. Uh, and how that presented itself was at each aid station, they had a little bowl of salt with these little um, white miniature potatoes. And I, the potatoes, and yeah. I, potatoes. And I would just dip the potato in the salt and eat them. And it's like a miracle because in within a minute, my my hands stopped cramping and I, I just, I can run again and it's quite phenomenal. And so uh, I would do that at every, I did that at every aid station during the 50 mile run. It, it was the first time I did not have a problem with dehydration. So I am pretty confident that I figured out how to mitigate the uh, dehydration problem. And so um, I agree with you. Um, like right now I'm in Montana and the temperatures have been between 80 and 90 degrees and I've never lived at elevation. So I'm training at um, 5,000 feet. And so my hope is that going back to Marin County on the weekend, uh, that we have really cool temperatures by the coast and I'm back at sea level and since I have the hydration thing figured out, I'm, I'm hoping to have a good day, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> well, let's, let's look up the weather while we're here. Um, so <laughs> yeah. we go uh, Wonderground. I go there for weather. So okay. Wonderground, let me search uh, probably Mill Valley is a good spot. 
And we got Saturday. So what's here's the 10 day for Mill Valley. Right now, it's like a perfect 62 degrees there. Uh, Thursday. Okay, Saturday, 74 high, 57 low. That's oh pretty normal. God. Yeah, That's good. that sounds pretty awesome. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the heat, the heat here is different. It's like dry. It's very dry. And it's so, it's it's the mountain heat, and you're you give us you have a thinner yeah. atmosphere. So yeah. I just I did the Point Mariah, and well, one you need more oxygen, so you're it's just more effort to do things at altitude because the oxygen yeah. is thinner. There's yeah. like nobody breaking four minute miles in Denver. Um, <laughs> and and then that's just, it's just like a fact. You're going to add, I want to say at least 30 seconds minimum, probably like 45 seconds a minute to your mile, like running yeah. at altitude. Like at least I know in Tahoe, if I'm running a, a eight minute mile, that's real effort. Like if I'm normally running like a seven something, that's like really hard, like to run eight. Yeah. Um, when 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 we first yeah. got here, um, it I swear the first three weeks, maybe even months that I was here running, a normal run for me felt like such effort. I was like, "What <laughs> hell wrong with me?" I'm like, "Oh, that's right. It's got to be the elevation." And it took a solid month before I had a run that felt satisfying. And, and to all the runners out there, you know what a satisfying run feels like when you come back and you're like, oh, okay, that, that was good. And I, I didn't have one of those for like a month. And I thought, oh, this is, this is hard. It's, <laughs> it's I, hard. Yeah. Like in the zone. Hard. So I try to zone train. It's like, uh, I try to be in certain zones for like certain minutes and it's yeah. really hard at elevation well yes and so i had to really completely readjust my thinking in terms of pace so for instance i would go out for a run in marin and i think oh, okay i'm gonna do 10 miles and i should be able to finish in this amount of time my time per mile will be this and i'm good all that went out the window when I got up here. I would go out and I would be trying to do those same times and like I can't breathe. And I also I also suffer from uh, I have I have asthma as well. And so on top of that, I was like, all right, I really had to just rethink my pace. And I just decided I'm not going to think about time anymore. I'm going to think about feel. How does this feel for my yeah. body? Definitely. And I'm just because yep. my heart rate was going through the roof. I was like, this can't, this can't be. This is not. I have to slow down. So, so running in the mountains up here for the first month, I had to slow my pace down a minute, minute and a half per mile, just to feel like I wasn't run walking, just so that I could, I could run a consistent level. And so, I have to say that it is slowly, slowly getting better. Um, I did a hike yesterday to one of the one of the highest peaks here in montana which is uh it's called mount baldy um and i i just hiked it up uh and, and got to about nine thousand feet elevation and the last time i did that kind of elevation was during um the, there's a run up here called bridger ridge run and it, i almost died <laughs> during that run 
and I remember thinking, well, this feels better this time. So it's very slow, and I'm trying to be really patient and respectful of the, um, you know, the acclimatization. You just have to, you just have to let your body adapt. And so I'm hoping going back down to um, sea level will feel so much more comfortable. So um, yeah, I'm hoping for that. Yeah, I think. I, I I think that's a real advantage. You're up in you're up in elevation. I don't think it makes people necessarily fast like the elite people that are up in the mountains. Because if that was like the secret sauce, then like everybody would be like as high as they could be up in the mountains, and then they would be the fastest people. And but True. like I, I don't think like I think it was Meb is in well he's in Florida now. He's like family in Florida. Florida's flat. Uh, he was yeah. training. Yeah, there's like all these pros, but like, I think it's it's the culture. Like, I think Flagstaff is, you have all these super fast ultra people like in one place. Well, naturally, they're all going to run together. It's like a community. So you have that community that, that they feed off of more than I think the, uh, the elevation. But like, it's going to make you stronger being up at altitude for sure. I, I, what I um, have been focusing on is um, endurance. So, for instance, I, I've always been intrigued by the distance. I've, I've done the quad dipsy, uh, I think, four times now, and every time I do that race, which is one of, it's really difficult, as you know, and every time I do it and I finish it, I think if I had the time to train and, and, and focus on endurance. I know I could be really strong at longer distances. So I've always been intrigued by the longer distances. And, um, I've, I've just always been working, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours a week and I haven't had enough time. And so now I'm in a position where my kids are grown. I'm, I'm semi-retired and now I'm really focusing on, on the longer distances. And so I agree with you. I don't think it's necessarily, it will make me a faster runner, but my hope is to have more endurance. I, I would, I, my goal is to, to start doing hundred mile races. That's, that's where I'd like to go. And I'm, I'm an older runner. Um, and so my, my main focus is just I'd like to be the strongest runner in my age group that that I can be because I so, have yeah I, I, I think we have similar similar things like I've done the quad I think four or five times and are mm -hmm. you are you doing the quad this year uh, I haven't signed up for that. I'm, I'm, I'd like to focus on longer runs. And, and mm -hmm. one of my goals, just to uh, just throw it out into the universe, is I'd really like to go to UTMB at some, at some point. And so I've been wow. focusing on running races that are index races for that. And so I've got, I think I have one under my belt. And I've, uh, you have to collect stones and you have to have an index rating, et cetera. So I'm focusing on mm -hmm. index race for UTMB because I'd love to go to Chamonix and, and not that I, you know, place well or anything, but it's just kind of a personal long-term goal. Uh, I think that that to, to run in 
in in that yeah, Phil, setting. Phil, Phil or or rest. Am I saying his name right? He did uh, a you like a. I want to say a, a a tour in that area. I, I saw that and I was just following him ferociously. I'm like, oh my gosh, because <laughs> he, oh, he would send photos, you know, onto Facebook. I'm like, oh, geez, that looks so beautiful and so wonderful just to run in in that that setting and uh that's yeah that's kind of a lifetime goal so that's that's oh, those I'm are, trying to get that's lofty goals I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm like uh gosh where am I I I thought I would do the uh the six uh what are they the majors um yeah and I'm on to my third in Chicago uh, in October uh, then I have Tokyo, London, and uh, Berlin left. But well, um, you know, I, yeah. I I really admire road marathon runners. I that is so hard to do. I you know it, I, it I, is I, so it is harder to do because it's so, so hard to do. there's so much and and really I think so you do a trail run has like. Well, this is a pretty big one. Headlands 50K is like 300 people. But like this last one I did was like 70 people. Yeah, it was to- and it was just very relaxed. There was no yeah. pressure. I didn't feel like a race. Like yeah. like when you're racing at Boston, you have all of these people that want that split. They're just and me I'm one of them. We're just holding on. We're just holding yeah. on until we fall apart or we finish. And it's like, well, like why? I, uh, <laughs> well, also, also, you know, when you're trail running, you can, you have gears, right? So when you mm-hmm. get to a downhill, you put it into fifth and you're like, I'm flying. When you get to a flat part, you're like, okay, let's see, maybe I can go to second gear here. And you just throttle. But in a road marathon, you are paced per mile for 26 miles. I have nothing but respect for that distance and in in, in that effort. I, I couldn't do it. I it's really, it's I all redlining. I mean, you're, you're on, on an ultra, you, you, you have to, if you're out for, unless you're like these guys winning the race where you could redline for a 50 mile somehow, which I would blow up immediately. But like they they do they redline they're like once I mean they must they have to because how do you do a three thirty fifty k with six thousand feet yeah <laughs> yeah I know and I, I have to say I listened to your podcast about your Florida self imposed oh you you listened to that one <laughs> I was I was I was climbing up the, the, to the top of Baldy and I had your podcast on and I was listening to your talking about that effort and I was just in so intrigued because you had this you're like I'm gonna do this and the you know the the humidity must have been 99% or whatever it was, it was and it was like it I'm was 12. ridiculous yeah <laughs> and you're like I'm going out I'm doing this family you just go to the beach I'm just gonna do this and I and then and then you had some issues and some you know you had to cut that one and then do it again. And I loved the whole process of your thought process and you're trying to mitigate the challenges. And, you know, when you're a runner and you hear other people talk about their, their problem solving, it really helps everyone to hear problem solving techniques. 
it helps every yeah, it was it was a heat it wasn't a marathon it was a heat mitigation exercise it was, <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah it was like okay what's my heart rate I'm, I'm i'm running a a 11 minute mile and my heart rate's 155 i'm almost at 160. <laughs> So I just, Andy, you have to know, I was just smiling when you were talking about it because I was like, I've been there. I, I get it. I get it. And so even though to you, when you're talking about this and you're saying if no one's going to be interested, you know, you're wrong. Everybody's interested in hearing all these stories. It's, 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 it oh, helps thank you. All. Thank you for listening. I, that's, that's really cool <laughs> that you, that you, you brought that one up. Like actually the, the salt has me really thinking because like we spend so many hours training and being outside and running and then like I'm, I'm really winging it like with salt and like intake like I don't know what I should be consuming and I so I did a marathon last was it like a week and a half ago or something and like yeah I was just taking I took like three little salt things I I probably should do some research <laughs> Well, you know what you said, which was really helpful for me because I I, ha I have this exact same issue, um, and I learned on the go at, at this 50 mile race that I did, and I waited too long. I waited until my fingers were tingling to take mm. the salt, and it's too I long. You, yeah. Right, and I remember you saying, and I think it was at the 20 mile mark. So that was what I don't know, five, four or five hours into a trail race, and I remember you saying. I waited too long, four hours in, and then I took salt. And that stuck with me for this reason in particular. It's like, I'm not going to wait until my hands start tingling and then my fingers start cramping. I'm going to start a salt program as part of my um, nutrition. So, I, so that really helped that you said that, actually. So I think uh, going into this, uh, the 50K on Saturday is I'm going to bring, I didn't, I've never brought salt tablets with me. I've always just relied on the aid station. I'm not going to do that this time. I'm, I'm going to have, you know, a hydration salt nutrition plan mm -hmm. formulated before I get to that because I, I don't want to put my body through that anymore because by the time you start feeling the effects of dehydration, you're just hoping you can catch it soon enough so that you can reverse it because the next thing that happens is that you can't consume anything and you can't, mm -hmm. your stomach doesn't want to have anything in it anymore and you end up being, you know, just really nauseous and then your whole race is destroyed and I've, I've had that happen a couple of times too. So um, hearing your, hearing you talk about that and I think even Max talked about it, or was it John? I think John talked about it because he did John, a race in. Yeah. He was doing a race in Hawaii or something where it's really super John, John, he was, Yeah, he, he approaches all these races as problem solving exercises, which I, I think yeah. is a really good way to look at it. So informative. I, I really enjoyed listening to all that about the humidity because I'm uh, uh, very keen to the dehydration problem solving. And so. Um, yeah, just today, right. just today, Carolyn, I, I went for, I didn't run this morning. I should have ran like at 6 a.m., but I slept in till 6.30. And 
I didn't do my morning. I didn't get a morning run in. I wanted to get a uh, a run in, and I had soccer practice with my son later. And so I was like, well, I have 50 minutes right now. I could get a quick run in. So <laughs> it's 95 degrees. Uh, <laughs> and of course, I'm thinking I got to get the quick run in. I got to get my five miles in. I'm kind of yeah. checking the box, but why? And then I'm even while I'm doing it, I'm like, what am I doing? It's 95. I'm like, I'm pouring sweat. And then I have to go to a soccer practice and run around with kids for like an hour. And so I'm like pouring sweat. And then like I go to my second workout, which is the kids and soccer, which isn't as strenuous, but it's still work in the heat. I was oh, totally yeah. like zapped. I was just. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know what else that was really helpful for me to learn? And I don't know why. I, it, I heard this like six months ago and, and, and it's this and probably everyone on the universe knows this except for me is that when you sweat, you're not only sweating through your body, you're through your skin, but you're sweating through your breath. When you breathe out, there's, there's moisture in your breath. So if you're running on a particularly hot day mm -hmm. and you're wearing a hat to keep the sun, you know, with a visor to keep the sun out of your eyes, which is what I do. So I'm keeping all that heat in. So my body's like now extra you're trapping warm. the heat with the hat, but you're protecting right. the sun with the hat. So which one right. do you want to do? Yeah. I know, but then also, so my breath is expelling moisture and I'm also sweating profusely through my skin and all those factors, it's like, if you could measure, I would love to see a measurement of how much we are actually. Oh my gosh, I, I have it, right? I have it. Do you really? So, no, 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 I, I, have a, I have a great story that is very relatable to this. Okay. So Mar Mark Rickman, who yes. is a legend, yes. and he, he died yes. a couple years ago. Um, yes. I, I don't remember yes. exactly when. I was at the kiddie pool at Marinwood. And I ran into his wife uh -huh. and I didn't know his wife. And, and I actually can't recall her name right at this moment, but I brought up Mark to her said, Oh yeah, I'm in Tamalpa. Yeah. And um, yeah. Do, do you know Mark? Oh yeah. That's my, that was my <laughs> husband. Like, Oh, she said, then she, then she's telling me a story about Mark. She said, Mark was so committed and dedicated, he would weigh himself right before a run. Oh, this all wow. relates to like sweat and everything. He would weigh himself yeah. before a long run or or a run. Exactly, okay, one, he was pretty light, probably 150 or something, I don't know. And then yeah. he would weigh himself after the run. Pretty simple. And then, okay, it shouldn't deviate that much. Like if you yeah. go for even a 20 mile run, you shouldn't lose like five pounds. You shouldn't, no. you should, you should right. be right in the ballpark, maybe you lose a pound, you know, mm -hmm. but yeah, he would, he would measure all of that and, and he would do 30 mile runs and he would weigh himself before and after. And she was telling me, yeah, he was really exact yeah. and he would, and he was, he would, he was so modest. He was like one of the best runners, like I've ever. heard, I've I wish I could have met him. I've heard this. Oh, uh, and and he was so <laughs> humble. Like he would win, he would win his age group, like world age group. Yeah. And then we would be at a track a workout on Tuesday, and he had just done like a hundred mile or a hundred k on Sunday, 
And I was like, oh, I'm running fast. And Mark's like 20 years older than me. I'm, I'm running faster than Mark. <laughs> it's just because he did like a, a world qualifying effort like two days before. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful, though? What I love about this sport is that most of the people that are that are in this sport that have these rich histories of running for years and they're so humble and they're so wonderful and they're just there to be supportive. And I, one of the things that I just love about this community, seriously, and, and he's a testament to that for sure. Speaking of Mark, there's a, um, I think there's a fund. I, I, I don't know. I don't know the details of it. That is part of this race. So some yeah. of the money used in the entry, uh, I think it's $10,000. I don't know. Because um, I, I think that number was talked about. Um, yeah. I think that goes to a Mark Rickman um, fund. of or uh, yeah. And I wish I knew more about it. Right. If you, uh, you can donate specifically to the Mark, Richmond Scholarship Fund uh, in his name. You don't have to be running this race, but it, it exists for, he was wonderful and he was. Um, and he has, to- yeah, he, he has one of the, I would say he, he doesn't have the record on this race, but for for the age group on this, this course, I don't mm-hmm. think it will be beaten. I mean, when he was in his fifties doing the, the Headlands 50K and I, I could pull up the results, I don't have it. I know yeah. when he was in his 50s, probably into his 60s, he was yeah. absolutely crushing this. And there's, I, oh, I, I yeah. would, I would guess no one is going to touch or because he was, you know, top five in in his 50s for this race. Oh, no yeah. problem. Yeah, for, yeah, he was phenomenal. So, you know, there's there's talent, and then there's also uh, talent with a lot of effort, and and he had talent but he also worked extremely hard at, at honing that skill. And he was one of the best for sure. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think about him all the time, actually, when I go running, because uh, I, there's awesome. certain places we would run by each other. It seemed like all the time. Awesome. And, and I, and yeah. I saw him a lot at, at a Tuesday track. Um, and, yeah. and it and, was know, all just very, like we weren't good friends, but I saw him a lot. You know, and that's the wonderful thing about this is that everyone who knew him and ran with him or ran by him or read about his results or, you know, his, his memory is in those races or in, in, in the nature. If you run by a place where you saw him, you're like, oh, I remember him here. And that's Mm -hmm. how he lives amongst everything else that he did. But but for people who didn't know him as well as well, and I didn't know him, but I knew that he ran where I run, and it's wonderful to think, oh man, this he was here, and he was here, and his presence is, you know, this is where he was, and so it's it's a long-lasting memory for him and for everyone who cared about him and loved him for sure. Yeah, I'm pulling up. He did Miwok 100K a lot. Uh, I just pulled up his results on Ultra Sign Up. I was just really curious. Here's a Headlands 50K. He was 56 years old. He was fifth place, and he was four <laughs> hours and 32 minutes. 
yeah, that's that's. <laughs> Uh, and that was 2011. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, Amazing. Way too, yeah. Hundred miler. He was top. Like he did the Western States, and he was top. Uh, I want to say one year he was top ten. Um, Seriously? Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, here so we go. Tamalpa Headlands, 2003. He was 14th overall. 2002. Oh he's 12th overall. Um, yeah. Goes way back. Oh, Headlands so, fourth overall. Yeah. <laughs> it, see, see, he lives on forever, and and mm-hmm. his just his stamina and his attitude, and what a great guy he was. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, so here's a general question I ask most on most races: like, what was your, what's your mileage look like coming into a 50k for like per week? A 50k. So I'm looking at 30 mile, a 30 mile run. Um, so I'm averaging 30, 40 miles a week right now. And um, typically, if I was in Marin, it would be higher. However, mm-hmm. my and I could be naively thinking about this. However, I'm thinking that because of the elevation and how difficult this seems to feel for the last you know, month and a half. I've only been here like a month and a half. I'm hoping that the effort to do the same type of mileage here is going to translate well for sea level in California. And I could be completely wrong. <laughs> so, so when you ask me about mileage, so I've been doing probably averaging, um, an average would be 40 miles a week right now at this point. And they've been they've they've been feeling really difficult up here for me. Some people don't have trouble with elevation, but I I'm really feeling it for sure. Yeah, that's a that's a tough distance because it's like just short enough that you can still kind of go fast or <laughs> yeah, and but but long enough where you can't go too fast. Uh, yeah, and yeah. um. As you know, when you know a trail, uh, when you know a course really, really well, like the back of your hand, because I've run, I've run all over the Marin Headlands for years and years and years. So I know this course really, really well. And the advantage to that is that you know when to push and you mm-hmm. know when to cross. You just know. And so I, I'm not nervous about this race at all. If I was running... Um, a trail race in an area that I've never run in before. I'd be a lot more, I'd be a lot more nervous. I'd be like, oh shoot, I don't know this. I don't know what this looks like or feels like or tastes like or yeah, I, I think like. it's it's peace of mind. You you know what to expect. Or, yeah, and you know. and you know you know when that hill reaches the top. You you kind of it could be, and everybody could look at a piece of paper, but it's not going to really tell them until they do it. Right. So how this translates for me is, so for instance, if I'm climbing up coastal and that is a bear and there's people passing me, I don't sweat it because I know, like if somebody's running past me on coastal, if you can do that, I'm like, well, they're going to blow up and I'm not, I'm going to walk this or I'm going to power hike it or whatever, because I know what that entails and I know what the top of it looks like and I know what the other side of that looks like and I know what the downhill looks like and then I know what the next climb looks like. So 
I have it all in my head. The map is in my head and I know how to throttle. Um, so when people are passing me on, on areas that are difficult, I don't even pay attention because I know for myself, like, Oh, that person shouldn't be running right now. They should be walking. So I, I kind of, but again, oh, I, I, I think, I think that all the time I see people, uh, in a race and, and this is what's going on in my head. I'm like, Oh, they're going way too fast. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes I'm totally wrong. Uh, they, they continue going fast and it's like, wow. Uh, but, well, you, but some yeah. of, and then most of the time it's, you see them later and it's like, they're, they're really hurting. Yeah. And, and the advantage of knowing the trail is good for this reason alone, just like you were just talking about, it's the mental strategy. So for instance, if I was running a trail race where I didn't know the course, like at all, like really, I didn't know it. And someone blew past me on a hill. I, I would be thinking, shoot, I should be running this because they're running this. Mm-hmm. But if I'm running the headlands on a trail like Coastal or even Fox, I'd be thinking, I'm not running this because they don't know what they're doing. So it's just, it's really, like you said, it's mental, um, it's, it's a mental game. You have to know your course and you have to know when to push and when to not push. So, uh, yeah, that's the story the- of the Dipsy. You, you know that if you know the yeah. Dipsy inside out, you have yeah. such an advantage over somebody if if you were equals in, in physical ability, but yeah. you knew the course and you had done the course a dozen times, you're mm-hmm. you're going to be faster just because you know when to push and when to lay off and when when it when it's nice and flat and you can go faster, that kind of yeah. little stuff. Yeah. Exactly. The Dipsy is um, an incredible, an incredible course in that it's relentless in certain areas and then it's free for all in other areas. And so when you see somebody running up the stairs, you think, hmm, that's probably not a good idea. And you're just walking and you just let them go because you're thinking, unless you're Alex Varner, who is phenomenal, and then you know, like that guy's going to win this. <laughs> but if you're someone like me, if you're trying to run the stairs, not a good plan because uh, you're going to burn yourself out sooner than later, and you need your energy and your muscles for all those downhills too. You have to remember, there's a lot of downhill in that, so for sure. Yeah, you're in this race. You're starting at the same place you, you finish. So you have yeah. this, everything's going to come, you're going to go down the same thing you go up. So. Yeah. 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 I'm like, I'm really looking forward to, to getting back there to a, the cooler temperature and, and, and be the elevation. I I'm really intrigued uh, to, to, to determine whether the elevation, I've never trained at elevation before. And now I'm living here and I'm at 5,000 feet and, and it has been, I've noticed the, the, the strain on my, my, my system, although it is getting better. So I'm, I'm hoping, and I'd like to really see, I'm really eager to see how it translates going back down to sea level. So in my mind, Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I just had a question. Do you monitor your um, resting heart rate 
and like your heart rate when you work out? Yes, I do. And and has that uh, from when you were at sea level and now when you're up in Montana, is there change like resting heart rate um, effort, like heart rate during your workouts? Yes, for sure. Absolutely. And I can feel it. I can feel my heart like pounding through my chest and I know. So if I'm trying to run an eight minute mile and my heart is pounding through my chest, it doesn't feel normal because at sea level, that would be such a non-issue. I'd be like, Mm -hmm. oh, I could pick this up. I can go to 730 pace. But up here, I'm like, I need to slow down. I need to go to a nine-minute mile to get my heart rate down. So I, I do everything by heart rate. Like if I can't, if I can't catch my breath, I'm going. I'm working too hard. So that's been the most intriguing part of this elevation is my heart rate is is so much higher than at the same pace per mile if I'm at sea level. So it's been I think you're really gonna feel. I think you're gonna feel wonderful. You're going to be like, I'm, I'm, I can breathe even, you know, going up to Tahoe and running around Tahoe and then coming home. It's like, wow, the air is thick. I'm like breathing this thick air. Yeah. I think, I think you're going to feel awesome. Yeah. And then it's hot. Like we've been experiencing between 88 degrees and 95 for weeks. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm out there sweating like a, you know, a, a sailor. And I'm thinking, so it has, it's going to have to feel better going to the coast at sea level. And the temperature is going to be around 60 when we start. So it, it, it has, I'm hoping. It has to feel I, I like that. It's an, it's also an early start. It's not that early. Yes. It's seven thirty. I was, I was, I would really like if these races started really early, like 6am because I mean, you're not going to sleep that well anyway. And let's let's yeah. use the good weather when you have it in the daylight. And yeah, yeah, because you're going to be out there a while. And and I know uh, afternoon sun is is pretty brutal. Even uh, it can be. So, but 7:30 yeah. is a good good. St- it's going to be really nice for at least I'd say four hours. Uh, yeah. 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 I'm I'm hoping that um, because it's going to be cooler. And because it's at um, sea level, I'm trying to think in my head about hydration. So that's my biggest, my biggest, you know, limitation. So I'm thinking, Would you say okay, if you had, if you had three objectives, I'm mm-hmm. putting you on the spot because we didn't rehearse this yeah. or anything, but if you had three that's, objectives, they can be anything uh-huh. just related to this race. Yeah. Would, would. Hydra- staying hydrated throughout the, the, the race uh, with a plan be like in your top three? It's solid top one. That would be my top first. One. Because, okay. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because the distance is not my problem. I can go a really long way as long as I don't cramp. Okay. And I figured out the cramping with this, this 50 mile race. I did the 50 miles and I was at the end of it like that the next day I could walk fine and I was fine. And I was like, okay. So my whole problem with distance is hydration. Wow. So I, I feel like if I stay on top of my hydration and also nutrition, so you have to be fluid, taking in enough fluids and also um, calories, but, but salt 
seems to be my kryptonite. You know what I mean? How do you, what, what's your what's your food or your goo or your your calorie of choice for for running? Um, I this is going to sound really silly, but um, at the same time, it might help some folks out there. But I've tried goos, I've tried shot blocks, I've tried all of those things, and um, none of that will stay down. I end up not being able to keep them in my stomach, which is a whole different problem. But so what I have found that works the absolute best for me is um, I go to the store like the night before and I buy baby food and baby food now is packaged in these wonderful squeeze packages. So mm-hmm. they come in like six to eight ounces. Hey, hey Levi Webb, are you listening? <laughs> he, he introduced me to baby food on a run once like years ago and i was like what (laughs) i know it sounds so silly but it's the best thing ever because you can buy so what i'll buy is i'll buy you know 10 pouches of this squeeze baby food and they come with a twisty top and Mm -hmm. they're they're pouches so they fit very wonderfully in your hydration vest and so they sell them at target there's a ton of them at target yeah, um, and so what I do is I look for the ones that have the most potassium, magnesium, um, bananas, sodium, maybe. And so and bananas. So I usually grab bananas. I usually grab squash. I usually grab um, um, anything with with. I look at the ingredients like what's high in potassium and sodium and magnesium and all that stuff and. Um, I remember it's like squash and bananas. Um, do you, just look at do you practice and- like when you're training? So one thing I don't do, but I, I, I know I should do is practice eating stuff during your training. So like you're just comfortable and you, you know, you bring two of the, the baby foods with you. I go for like a 10 mile run or whatever yeah. distance. And, and I don't do that. I know I should because it's only 10 miles and like i don't need to eat anything but like do you practice that like as for training well i it depends yes and it depends on the distance so for, so for instance um i went on this hike yesterday which was not very long in terms of distance but the elevation gain and the pitch was so extreme that i thought i should be prepared in the event that i need electrolytes and so on yesterday's hike which was it was a three and a half mile hike to the top of baldy not very long but the pitch was so i went from five thousand feet to nine thousand feet and it was just a really i was just at an easy pace hiking but i was sweating like a sailor and i'm like okay so i need my electrolytes and i so have the baby food and taken that down I was lots of water and felt fine um and then came back down the other side so but if I was doing a three mile run say from my front door on a hot day I would probably only just bring water so it just depends on the distance and the and the vert kind of thing so I think it it depends on the amount of uh, what you're what you're doing Definitely. I'm, I, uh, with heat, 
I, yeah, I think heat you sweat more. You you need yeah. to replace the stuff that's coming out with the sweat. It's, it's yeah. it seems like common sense, but then like really common sense goes out the window uh, when you're out there for five plus hours. Uh, well, you know what happens <laughs> is we, we start focusing on as runners. We focus on I have twenty miles to cover. And I want to do it at this pace. Mm-hmm. So we we're so hyper focused on the performance of what we want to accomplish personally that we forget like oh shoot I need to drink oh shoot mm-hmm. I need to eat and also you don't feel like eating. I don't. You feel don't. Like yeah, eating. when it's hot, you lose your appetite. But, I think. And you're... I don't even feel like eating. Yeah. Yeah, your and your I... blood is leaving your your stomach. It's all. Yeah your blood is not in your core anymore because your blood is trying to cool off. And I think you, uh, this is very, I'm not a doctor, but like you have, you have, you don't have the, the, the urge to eat at all because your body doesn't want to digest or use energy. Uh, well, there. exactly. And so I have a daughter um, who um, is studying to be um, uh, a physical therapist and she broke it down for me. And she, what she told me made a lot of sense. She said, so when you eat food, in order to process that food and get the nutrients from the food into your blood system, uh, blood needs to be diverted from other parts of your body to surround the lining of your stomach to, to draw those nutrients into the bloodstream and then feed the rest of your body. So if you're exerting yourself really heavily in terms of a run or a trail run, your blood is now doing a different function. So your blood, each red blood cell holds one molecule of oxygen. And so when you're exerting yourself so hard, your muscles need oxygen to perform uh, along with, with other things. So the blood isn't concentrated around your stomach. It's focused on your heart and your lungs and your your arms and your legs and your muscles to 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 oxygenate all those tissues that are trying to finish this endurance thing that you're doing. And so if you try to eat then, if you put solid food in your stomach at that point, it's like, wait, wait, no, 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 we can't do that right now because we're trying to just get the mm-hmm. oxygen to your muscles and then your stomach goes, okay, abort. And you end up getting really nauseous. It's yeah, just a, exactly. People, I, I've right, experienced yeah. this for, for decades now where I do like a really long effort. Uh, I yeah. used to do it with cycling because that was when I was doing a really long effort. I would do, I did, I've done a couple centuries and stuff and like you go for a long ride. Okay. It's like three, three or four hours. And like, it's a hot day. You're working hard. But what I noticed was I get home get cold even if it's like 80 degrees out i'll be freezing because i have all this blood that's like been circulating really out to all my extremities and now heart rate's way down it's it's not that cold out but like it's just yeah i i get the chills after like a big effort what one of the worst experiences i've ever had with dehydration was on the double dipsy and it yes, was, it's so hot. Yeah. It was two years. I think it was two years ago. 
and I was do I pushed really hard and I was doing so well. I was, I think I was in second place for my age division and I was pushing and pushing and pushing. And I got down to the last aid station before the finish line. So I think I had a mile left and, um, this is coming down. You come, come down, um, uh, steep ravine. I think you're, mm-hmm. you're down just before you go, you can see the ocean. I, I forget the name of what that section is, but it's the very last aid station. And I'm c- trying to climb up to get to that aid station and my hands are cramping so bad. And I, to, to the point where my hands are curling up and I, I knew that it was dehydration and and then my breathing started to get really shallow. And I thought, I'm, I'm in real trouble. I'm, re- I'm not going to finish this. I felt like I was going to pass out. So all I could think of was I need to get to this last aid station. And I got to the aid station and I said, I, I, I can't uncurl my hands. And the medics there were amazing. And they, they had me sit down. And just like you were just talking about, I started shaking like I was freezing. And it was. 90 degrees out and I was freezing. I was so cold. And I said, why am I cold? I can't stop shaking. And they said, you're really dehydrated. I said, okay, you're going to have to explain this to me later. <laughs> why I'm shaking so hard. And, and they put blankets on me. It's 90 degrees out. Uh-huh. And I've just been running for, you know, that the double is what 14 miles. So I've been running for 13 miles or whatever it is and all that elevation. And I'm freezing, I'm freezing and I can't stop shaking. And it's hot. That's like in August, I think. Right. It's pretty. And and then they gave me all this orange juice and then they were monitoring my oxygen levels and, and it took like an hour for me to just come back down to spaces. And so I get it. It, it's, It's the weirdest thing. You get really cold. You get really mm-hmm. cold, and I, I still don't know the reason for that, but it's like all of a sudden you're cold. It's kind of a frightening yeah. experience. It was, is. So, <laughs> yeah, so, so after that, I'm like, oh, I need to figure this out. I need to really understand this. So objective <laughs> one, um, have, a, have a salt plan and a, and a, and yeah. a hydration. I should say hydration plan because that involves I think the salt. Yeah. Those two things are synonymous. Now I'm mm-hmm. I'm trying. I never understood this before this last year, and I've been running for a long time, which is kind of so. I feel kind of silly that I'm just learning this now. However, yeah, I've I've only been running for like thirty something years, so not not that long. <laughs> <laughs> so so just drinking water is not. It's part of the puzzle. There's more to it than just water. You need. You need electrolytes and you mm-hmm. need the sodium. It's, and it's a very fine balance. And when your body will p- perform amazing if you can figure that out. And I believe that everybody is different. So everybody needs to have their yeah, own. It's, it's, it's a mix. Like you can't yeah. say for, for your age, for your ability, this is your, this is what you, no, it's, it's per, per person. I think it's all. Some people yeah. do really well in heat. I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure uh, someone who trains in Florida is gonna just breeze through a race that's you know in the 70s. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. I, I think you have to factor in the distance you're doing, the elevation that you're at, the temperatures that you're at, your body weight, mm-hmm. what you've been training for. So I think it's a complete variable for each particular race that you do. And for every person, that's different. And you just have to know your body. You have to study it and you have to know it. Yeah, I think I think information is the key. Like, you know, back to like Rickman weighing himself. That's just like one thing people can do. Like, okay, I'm going to do a half marathon today. What do I weigh before and after? And like, what's the temperature? Is it is it 90 degrees? Is it 60 degrees? Like, it's going to make a big difference. Like where you're, and and knowing. I think I think that I think you just nailed it. Knowing your body. You know, I think that that might be a reason for such much of his success um, among other things that, that, that he was, you know, he trained really hard, but also that he studied his own body. So for instance, if he's doing a training run and he drops down the temperature when he starts and the temperature midway through and, and then when he finishes versus the distance that he's traveling and the elevation that he did and how much he intook and he studied himself and mm-hmm. he started to understand like, okay, for me, in this particular scenario, I need this. And I can't afford to lose this this many pounds because if I lose this many pounds, that means I'm sweating too much and I can't keep it in. And so my performance is going to suffer. So that was that's actually really smart that he did that. So, so Carolyn, oh, yeah. sorry. What would be your uh, a number what would be one of your other objectives for this race do you have a because we're gonna we're gonna quiz you later after you've done the race (laughs) do you have have a time in mind or do you have a um i hope i hope not Uh, a place in mind like (laughs) so andy i'm i'm an older runner um and i used to put this tremendous pressure on myself to perform I like I have to be this place and I have to do it in this time and Mm -hmm. and as I've gone older I've let go of there's no way I I'm going to be able to to win a race at at this point so just for the listeners and everything I've just turned 60 this year um and I there's no way I'm going to be able to compete with someone who's 20 or 30 or 40 um and so my main objective is I'd like to be the best 60-year-old runner that I can be. So, for instance, there's a lot of women out there my age who are 60 who are running. So if I'm going to talk about competition, that's my competition. So you have to, you have to, be, you have to be yourself then. Um, be me. Which is a tricky one because yourself is – not yourself a year ago or even two years ago um exactly exactly but it's that's a ballpark uh if you've done like like the quad that's one that i have you know i i race myself so Uh i think that's a really good thing to do is to race yourself and not to race yourself 10 years ago but to race yourself now so like yeah yeah. so so yep go ahead Oh yeah. So, so quad, I'm like, okay, where am I at training wise? Okay. I think I can do sub six. Okay. I'll do sub six. Uh, I think I could do, yeah, five forty-five. 
that's kind of where I, that's how I, I compete against my, so I do compete against the time, but it's based probably on a previous run for that, or that, that race itself. Uh Yeah. You know, as you, as we get older, I have found the most difficult thing to do is to let go of this notion that we have to compete as though we were 20 years old. So the most freeing thing that has been for me personally is to say, look, I'm an older woman now. I have different, I have different sets of abilities. So what's the best way that I can train? Okay, I know what I'm capable of training at and I know what I'm capable of doing. So let's just train the best way that I can for this body that I inhabit now. And I'm pretty healthy and I can do a long distance. So I'll do, I'll do that and I'll be the best at, at my age that I can be. And so I do look at races and I do look at who's entered and I do say, okay, who in my age bracket is entered in this race? How many six-year-olds are doing this particular race? And I look at those women and I think, wow, that's phenomenal. Those women are doing some amazing times. Can I do that? I don't know. But I have in mind, in my head, going into this next race, like on Saturday, like, okay, there's a woman who the fastest time on this race uh, for the the 50k, which is 30 miles, was this this time frame. Can I do that time frame? I don't know. So mm. let me let me break it down further. What does that look like per mile? That looks like a solid 12 minute mile. And I think to myself, I can do a 12 minute mile on this terrain at elevation. Yeah, I can do that. Can I sustain that for 30 miles? I don't know, but I'm going to try. So I look at it in terms of who who am I competing against? Mostly I'm competing against myself. I never usually have a time frame in mind like I need to do this in four hours. I don't do that because as you know, you can have a terrible race day and then that number can go out the window. So I look at it as like, well, if I try to keep my pace at a 12 minute mile, I am on a course to meet the course record for my age group. Or if I can lower that time, can I do an 11.45 minute mile? Then I'm going to beat the course record for my age group. That's the only thing that I look at at this point. And if I'm going out and I'm having a terrible day, I start saying, you know what? Today is not the day. I'm just going to come out here. And, you know, now I'm going to just relax and have some fun with this. And then I just transition it to I'm out here in this beautiful scenery. There's so many people out here. Everybody's wonderful. Let's just have a great day and stop focusing so much on the time. So, you know, pretty, pretty straightforward when you get out there like, ah, this is not going to be my day or mm-hmm. I could try it. This, this, this I tell people, I- people ask me, oh, what do you want to do on your marathon or, or whatever? And I say, oh, well, I won't know that till mile 15 or 16. It's absolutely yeah, you don't, know. You, you yeah. don't know, and 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 actually, the most enjoyable races have always been when I I say I'm just going to do this for fun, 
I don't have a time. Um, that, and and the races that I do that I haven't done in the past, those are usually, I, I put less pressure on myself because there's no prior Andy race. And, and you're right about like, yeah, we're all getting older. Eventually yeah. it will be like, well, Andy, when I was 35 is not going to be Andy when he's 55. So yeah, gotta, gotta accept that. But you, but uh, you know what else, if you, if you, if you look at it from a different angle, it's like, if you asked me when I was 30, if I'd be running 50 miles at 60, I'd say, <laughs> I'd laugh at you. I'd say, yeah, no, probably not. But I am, I'm here and I'm doing it. So it's, it's perspective. It's like, wow, I can still do this. I'm, I'm so fortunate that this body still performs. It's, I can still do this. I, I, this is wonderful. How lucky am I? I can still do this. And so if I can get out there and run in these beautiful settings and enjoy the day and connect with the people, that's a good day. I totally agree. Yeah. It's, um, it's the, it's the whole, it's the whole picture. It's not just a time. So that's, that's, uh, I, I totally agree with you, but in the back of my head, and maybe this is just Andy (laughs) trying to grow up. uh, I'm still trying to go for those times and like, (laughs) well, you know, there's there's other interesting aspect about the human condition which is really intriguing and and it and it plays into this thought which is we have an ego every single person on this planet has an ego and and a lot of times we fight our ego so for instance what that looks like is like you know i i can do this i can do this in this amount of time and then it's not not doesn't happen and so you're like shoot okay 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 i have to rethink it but that's our ego a lot of it's our ego thinking i'm i'm this good Look at me go, right? Mm-hmm. And if, if we can let go of that and 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 appreciate the fact that we can still do this, and uh, you know, I'm I'm an older runner talking, and so uh, this is a, a a mind frame that when you no, get older and you you're you're, you you're speaking still... wisdom is what you're speaking is <laughs> is you know and and. I think uh, this, this sounds bad, but I think sometimes people just have to grow older to start to see that. <laughs> well, you know uh, and and maybe the- maybe they can appreciate it younger. Um, but but in, in a lot of cases, I think people just have to. Yeah. Well, I, I also want to say that I look at people who are younger. Um, there's some young runners that I follow that are doing phenomenal uh, distances and some phenomenal results. And I think do this while you can go, go, go. And it just, I'm 100% behind them. And I think, wow, you're phenomenal. And just do it, do it to the best that you can while you can, because again, as an older runner, you, you lose the physical ability to, to just simply move that quick. And so mm-hmm. if you you're younger, you should, and you should do it to the best that you can. And I, I applaud all those young runners and, and anybody in between who can, who can move fast and, and, and seize the day. Just absolutely go for it because 
unfortunately, you know, when you get older, there, there, there comes a time where you have to slow down. You just have to accept it. And it doesn't mean you have to quit, though. It means it just transitions into, into something different, which can be freeing because you can slow down and say, I can enjoy this maybe a little bit more. And maybe I don't have to put that much pressure on myself because I'm not trying to win a race. I'm not trying to podium. I'm just trying to still do this distance. And if I can do this distance, wow, at this age, good for me. That's, that's a good thing still. Well said. I I can't add anything to that. That's, um, that's (laughs) I I completely agree with that. That's, that's a really good attitude and perspective. Um, so, uh, anything else you want to add? I, I think we're, we're nearing uh, 10 o'clock here on my time. It's later for you. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I'm really curious to listen to this uh, and then to hear the post race and to see how it went. Um, yeah, def- I, yeah, I will check in with you. Um, I, I'm interested to see, this will be the first time that I have gone from an elevation like literally six weeks up here at elevation at 5,000 feet and training up here in the heat to going back to a sea level uh, element. I'm really interested, like, like how I think that, you're going to crush it. You, 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 you I, did I a 50 hope. miler, like uh, how long ago was your 50 miler? That was, that was at sea level. And that was uh, two months ago before I came up here. Yeah. So you had a, a 50 miler leading up to this, now you're 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 doing elevation training. You're like in in Mammoth Lakes with Meb Kofleski, uh, and then you're coming down. Uh, and Meb, Meb's retired. I just I just think of somebody in Mammoth as Meb. And now you're you're coming down, and you're you're like you're like um, you're like the 10k runner doing the 1500. <laughs> well, I really I really hope that you're right, but I, you know, I I'm. I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm just, I've never been in this position before. Like, wow, I really like, it's like the, or it's like the, the uh, U.S. Olympic runners who moved to Oregon to train at elevation. And then they come back down and they absolutely crush the course on, on Olympic day. So I'm like, whoa, okay. This is kind of in a, in a, snippet the same scenario like i've been up here at elevation for six weeks tremendous heat let's see what this looks like this is a whole new arena for me and i'm i'm hoping that it that it does uh uh have some positive uh outcomes but you know again you can do everything right and get to race day and have a terrible day so it's it's just i'll i'll see how it goes but i'm I'm intrigued by by this just because of the different circumstance for me, and um, I will definitely check in with you and just just to let you know how it went. Um, yeah, really I, uh, I wish I could be out there. I won't be out there. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I wish you you luck on your race, and thank you, uh, um, Ultra Runner Magazine and uh, Jeff yes. Stern for for putting this all together. Um, and, uh, thank you to Malpa runners for, uh, working with, the uh, ultra runner 
magazine to get this uh, happening. So Yeah, kudos to David Leipzig and uh, Jeffrey Stern for putting this together in such a wonderful way. And I know Jeff has been working tirelessly to uh, this is the f- first time back with uh, with this event, and I know he is he's working tirelessly to make this a really good event for everyone. And uh, kudos to him. So, yeah, should be exciting. So maybe if you could, um, we could get a photo. Uh, well, we could. I, I usually use like a medal, but I did a I did a podcast like I don't know a year ago, and Andrew Melton was doing I think it was the Miwok and uh-huh. he took this amazing picture during his race which I just thought it was incredible it was like you know you know how beautiful like it is in the headlands like especially yeah. around dawn um I, I think this was around dusk for Miwok but like so so maybe if you can get a photo uh, uh-huh. and I could use that as the photo for the um the post race talk um, it could be before the race or after, just something that you think is cool. That's Marin Headlands-ish. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll use use whatever photo you you choose. Okay. Uh, yeah, that, that would just be something. Cause I, and I also asked John Bretan, um, and you could think about this while you're running, like what was the moment? Was there a special moment during the run uh, that, that just stuck out? Um, I had one on the quad dipsy, like the first time I did the quad dipsy, I was like, I'd never run that distance before. And and there was like a a woodpecker in the woods. I was by myself and I could hear it. It was, it was just really, uh, it just really stuck out, you know, because you have all the endorphins and everything because you're running for so long. But it's poignant for sure. Yeah. So cool. Is John, is John running? Is he, is he doing this one? Oh, I don't think he's doing the fifth. I don't think he's doing headlands. Uh, I should look okay. at the entrance. I, I, I'm sure I know some people doing it. Um, yeah. Melton might be I, doing it. Oh, cool, cool. That would be cool to get his take on on it as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll look. Um, it would be good to get you know a group, uh, maybe two or three people yeah. that did the race, and then yeah. we could all, you know, because the weather and everything can always change. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I I honestly don't know who else is doing it in my circles, but you might know uh, Melton, and then I don't know who else is doing it. So that'd be fun. Yeah, I I don't know for sure. I I was just guessing. Uh, I'll I'll okay. I'll look at the entrance and and I'll find some people that uh I'm sure yeah, that's, that's it's a it's a pretty small community of of runners. Yeah, <laughs> and it's always fun because everybody's there in the same location and running the same course and everybody has an extremely different day. That's what's so fun about mm-hmm. this. It's like everyone has a different story. Great. Well, thank you, Carolyn. And I'm going to, I'm going to sign off and uh, we'll, we'll talk okay. again next week. Yes. Okay. Andy, thank you so much. All right. Good luck. Bye. Okay, bye.